Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Barria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Barria. Well, I'd like to welcome you to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria is with us today, and we're delighted to have her on board. Dr. Barria is medical director for WellMed Medical Management. She's been part of the WellMed family for more than six years and currently a provider at the WellMed at 9th Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Dr. Barria is a world traveler who loves to spend her time traveling and seeing stuff. She is a graduate from Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, where she earned her medical degree completed her residency and an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. And Dr. Mario is board certified in family medicine. And Audrey, it is great to be with you again. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Ron. I've missed being on the show for the last several sessions. Well, you've been traveling. You've been traveling and it's good to have you back. Thank you. And we have an interesting topic because it's something that I know you see in your clients in your patients, and we're going to be talking about shedding light on leukemia, understanding the different types and treatment options. Dr. Angela Malarcher is with us. She's WellMed at Embassy Oaks in San Antonio. Uh, she earned her medical degree from the State University of Pernambuco Medical School in Brazil, completed her residency at Weiss Memorial Hospital in Chicago, and she is board certified in internal medicine. And Dr. Malarcher, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you with us. And and you wanted to talk about uh, leukemia because I think that's one of those diseases that everybody thinks they know everything about, and yet we know nothing about it. We hear about it. And so our level of knowledge uh, is influenced by what we hear in the media. Give us the 411 on leukemia. What is it? So leukemia is a blood disorder, a blood cancer. Uh, and uh, oftentimes I see patients that they ask to have a, like a genetic panel or a screening for blood diseases. And, uh, you know, we don't have those kind of things. It is uh, unfortunately quite prevalent. It's the the 1.5% of the cancers uh, altogether and that uh, they'll fall under the leukemia category. So if we go back to basics and talk about bone marrow, right? So bone marrow is that substance that is inside the uh, our bones, long bones, uh, and some of the flat bones. And they uh, that's the organ that produces our blood lineage. So the bone marrow produces what we call um, the, the three lineages, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, the platelets, and those are the cells that uh, uh, compound the blood itself. Uh, and everybody heard of or knows something about stem cells. So the stem cells are the are the progenitor cells. They are the mother cells. And uh, they differentiate in the bone marrow um, in those three lineage cells. So leukemia is more related to the white uh, blood cell, uh, usually. And uh, it's very uh, coordinated, this process of uh, creating the the new cells. So if you have any disturbance uh, on that uh, uh, matrix, right, on that production of healthy cells, 
then that's when we have the diseases as uh, we call leukemias. So usually what happens is the, the, the next line of cells from the stem cells, uh, which are the immature cells, they are not uh, fully adult white blood cells. So For some reason, the baby cells, yes. So they start going haywire and multiplying in a fast speed. And uh, even though it's mainly a disease of the white blood cell, but once they uh, accumulate so much in the bone marrow, so if they are in the bone marrow, uh, 20% of the, the, the constitution of the bone marrow are from those baby cells that are not well differentiated yet or in the blood itself. That's when now, we have a diagnosis of leukemia. Are there symptoms? So would you have a sense that, you know, doc, there's something wrong here? Yes. So let's let's try to stratify um, prevalence. So the, the, the acute leukemias, most often they are seen in uh, children. Uh, which is not my my uh, expertise. I'm not a pediatrician, but the ones seen in the adult population are the ones we call uh, acute myeloid myeloid leukemia and the CML, which is the chronic myeloid leukemia. So the symptoms is related to this error process, right? So sometimes the patient just comes to us complaining of fatigue, and uh, if those cells are uh, so concentrated in the bone marrow. So they start to inhibit the production of the other cells, the platelets and the red blood cells, and that comes the symptoms. So if you have low platelets, you can have uh, some kind of bleeding. You can have what we call petechia, which is like a blotches of, of uh, 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 bruises in your skin. Um, and then sometimes we just do a blood uh, count on a regular screening test and the patient is anemic, uh, with a slightly elevated of a white cell count, but mostly the fatigue, uh, fatigue, weight loss. Uh, if the patient has, uh, even though they have too much of white blood cell count, they are still con considered immunocompromised because those cells are not effective because they're not mature. Uh, they can have chronic infections. So it's a very vague uh, symptomatology that uh, the physician has to, you know, play uh, the investigator and try to figure out what's going on. Now, hold that thought. I'm going to come right back to you. But for folks who may have just joined us, I'm going to let you know you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barry, and we're talking on our Docs in the Pod hotline uh, from San Antonio, Texas, Dr. Angela Malarcher. She's at the Embassy Oaks Clinic, and we're talking about leukemia, uh, the 411 on understanding it, what are the different types, and what are the treatment options. And let me jump to Dr. Baria for just a moment. Do you have patients with leukemia? Yes, I do, Ron. Um, mine, actually, I have several patients that have the chronic um, myelogenous leukemia, and um, they're doing fairly well right now. So we want to keep it that way. Um, Dr. Malarcher, are also symptoms that we see with um, the leukemias is like they could also have an enlarged spleen or an enlarged liver. Yes. So that's the extra um, manifestations of the disease. So when it comes to that level that the production is so high, since the spleen and the liver are hematopoietic organs, then those uh, baby cells, they're not uh, 
mature and competent enough to do its work, they start uh, being deposited in those organs and creating enlargement. So yes, part of the physical exam on uh, patients with suspected symptoms should be uh, searched for what we call uh, hepatosplenomegaly, meaning mm -hmm. enlargement of the liver and enlargement of the spleen. Yes. So, so when you're examining a patient, uh, I, I can remember the doctor saying, all right, I'm going to squeeze a little bit here on your abdomen and, and uh, see what's cooking. Can you actually feel the liver? Yes. Yes, we can. And when it is enlarged, for sure we can. Yes. Yes. I had a patient that actually, he was in perfectly good health up until the day that he walked into my office and he looked like death warmed over and had a very enlarged belly. And I'm like, this is not your norm. And of course, when I palpated his abdomen, first thing I found was an enlarged liver. Yes. So he knew he had a problem, the, though. The, yes, yes, yes. The liver is an organ that uh, mainly does not hurt uh, against uh, lame uh, knowledge, but the liver is uh, involved in a, in a thick capsule. So what hurts in the liver is actually the, the expansion and the stretching of that mm -hmm. capsule. Mm -hmm. So patients can also present with a right upper cried and abdominal pain if the the liver enlargement is significant. And how do you treat leukemia? Is there a, I know I've heard about uh, uh, kind of bone marrow transfusions. Can you suck out the bone marrow that's in somebody and replace it with healthy bone marrow? So first line of therapy is chemotherapy. And the reason to do so is that you want to destroy that defective line of uh, baby cells, right? So after you, uh, destroyed them with chemotherapy, it depends. So then you have to monitor to see if the patient will recover uh, natural and normal production of those cells again. And if that's not the case, then uh, some types of leukemias, you do opt for uh, uh, bone marrow transplantation. And what that is, uh, is you put a patient on immunosuppressive state with a, with a clear bone marrow, like they're not producing anything, and then you inject uh, bone marrow from another uh, donor to stimulate the bone marrow to produce those stem cells we were talking about. That's what the bone marrow is, is composed of to start to producing uh, new and healthier cells. And uh, on that token, I, I would like to make a plea and uh, talk more about organ donation. Uh, we do have nationwide, uh, not only blood transfusion, but there is a bone marrow uh, um, donation um, that anybody that falls under the same criteria of donating blood can donate bone marrow, and it does save life, right? You save cancer patients. Yeah. Uh, so anybody that's listening there, uh, please advocate, please donate. You can go to uh, the bone marrow uh, uh country uh, donation site that you can register. Uh, you can go on your on your town or the have your you know your blood tested, preliminary uh, testing to see if you could uh, donate bone marrow. Now it's not as simple as donating blood, right? Uh, it's 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 painful. It has to come from from your bones. So there's a drilling involved uh, on your iliac uh, crest on your pelvic bone. Uh, but uh, just to, to to give that our awareness to the public that uh, it's, it's sub something that truly can save lives. Uh, so if it, you donate, if you donate blood, it can stay on the shelf for 
uh, some period of time, a few days or what have you. With bone marrow, uh, does that donation have to be at the time it's going to be implanted in somebody else? Yes, it doesn't of course. Store. There is a, yes, there is a shelf life. There is other uh, procedures to, that radiate uh, the, the specimen to clear them from infections and uh, proteins that we don't want to. So technology and medicine is now so advanced to the microscopic protein level that uh, uh, now we know that because we don't want rejection, right? So we want to make sure if the patient gets a bone marrow, that's going to work. So there's tons of tests that are done. But if you if you are an anonymous donor, Somewhere in the country, uh, a person will match your genetic profile that is safe to be uh, receiving the, uh, you know, your bone marrow. So I'll, it's, it's, it's amazing. And people don't know much about it. We talk about, about blood donation. But uh, like I said, it's a country pool and uh, with bone, um, not bone, sorry, with organ transplantation, those things are taken very seriously and a person in San Antonio can donate to the bone marrow bank and it can be flown to California, whatever it's needed. So we need to stimulate a population to donate bone marrow as well. And in every city, no matter where you're listening to us, uh, there would be an opportunity to donate to a bone marrow bank. Yes. All right, stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. If you've just joined us again, you're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, is with us. And we're talking about leukemia, uh, the, the diagnosis, treatment, and ways in which folks with leukemia can be helped. And if it's something you're worried about, we're going to tell you who to talk to and, and what kinds of symptoms you might look for. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. Thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Docs in a Pod. I also want to take a moment to wish a warm welcome to the newest Texas clinics to join the growing WellMed family. WellMed at East Forest in Garland, Texas. The clinic joins the WellMed network of more than 16,000 doctor's offices in Texas and Florida. So welcome aboard East Forest in Garland, Texas. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barry, and we're talking on our Docs in a Pod hotline with Dr. Angela Larcher. She's at the Wellman at Embassy Oaks Clinic in San Antonio. And we've been talking about leukemia, understanding the different types and treatment options. So uh, Dr. Malarcher, uh, somebody presents, you're, you're a primary care physician, they come in, uh, you suspect perhaps uh, leukemia may be present. What do you do? What are the next steps? And how do you move on from there? Yeah, so we do have a, a 
great network of specialists. So since it is a blood disorder, uh, the specialist that takes care of the disease is called the hematologist oncologist. So in the suspicion of uh, upon physical exam, so new patient or existing patient with new symptoms, of course, we do the, the, the workup. So the blood work to identify if the blood cells are elevated, if there are organs uh, involved, uh, enlarged ultrasounds or maybe even CT scans. And if if the the, the suspicion is high, because remember, uh, I don't think we talked uh, about that yet, but the final diagnosis of uh, leukemia is not just a blood test. You do have to have a bone marrow biopsy, and that is done by the uh, hematologist-oncologist. So on our uh, line of treatment uh, as primary care docs, suspicion, uh, uh, first workup in the clinic, imaging, and then we refer the patients to the our colleagues, uh, hemonks, and from their confirmation of uh, suspected diagnosis would be by a bone marrow biopsy. And if confirmed, of course, again, medicine is so complex and detailed these days, there are several genetic tests that need to be done to uh, target specific uh, chemotherapeutic agents. And everybody's different according to the lineage uh, of uh, the baby cells that are abnormal. They uh, therapeutic treatment is individualized, the chemotherapy, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the hematologist takes over from there. Uh, me as a primary care physician, I do like to be on top of what's going on with my patient. So the relationship that you have with your specialist is very important. So once they're, you know, with the, with a specialist, you don't lose track of what's going on with your patients. So I usually refer to, to colleagues that, uh, give that feedback and keep us up to date. This is what's going on. This is what we're going to do. And of course, we, we tend to uh, have a close follow-up and have them come back to us and uh, enlighten us of what's going on and what have you. So, so um, help me help me understand something. Uh, yes. We have a lot of bones in our body and uh, bone marrow is produced in various numbers of those bones, not just a bone producing bone marrow. Uh, can it be a bad uh, bone marrow baby cell production in one bone and okay in another, or is it throughout your body where it's not working right? It is throughout your body. Bone marrow, like the blood itself, is considered to be an organ. Usually when we talk about organ, we think about things that are measurable, right? Uh, like a, a spleen, a liver, and what have you. But that is an organ, and it is all over your body, uh, inside your bones. So no, not in any, like you have a disease here, but you don't have a disease right. there. So that's not the case. So it's all bad. It's all bad. Yes. Unfortunately. Oh, I, I, yeah. I was hoping, unfortunately, it's right. I was hoping, hey, maybe I got a bone that's doing a better job. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. So once you see the- Unfortunately uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> once you start that treatment process, uh, and, and let's say- uh, after a period of time, uh, you get it back on track and the baby cells are growing up right and uh, the leukemia seems to be under control. Are you at risk of falling off the wagon uh, and, and perhaps flipping back into leukemia or is it cured? Yes, you are at risk of recurrence. Uh, on some types. Again, there are so many types, uh, and this is not the scope of discussion to, to elucidate those, but uh, the like everything in medicine, the, the young, the, sorry, not, the, 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 the sooner you diagnose, right, the better the outcomes. So 
suspicion from your PCP diagnosis made on time that expedites treatment, so the chances of uh, cure, let's put it this way, uh, it's higher. For the leukemias, it's not in the 50%, and usually the, the oncologist team, they like saying, because of the, the, the data and the research, so usually they say you have a five-year survival rate of 50%, or you have a, a, a seven-year survival rate of 90%. So that's the the language of the hematologist oncologist. We never give uh, that true uh, hope of cure. Uh, we do like to have the patients have to be in what we call in remission, but they do have to fall under surveillance with their with their uh, oncologist and with us. And on that token, I wanted to open up also for the uh, the complications of chemotherapy long-term and radiation therapy. So even though hopefully that patient was diagnosed early, young, uh, no other comorbidities, received chemo or even the bone marrow transplantation and uh, got cured. Uh, and then let's say 10 years from now, uh, start having having other issues. So we do as PCPs, when these patients come back to us, we have to be attentive for the long-term complications of chemotherapy. You can have something called uh, long-term neuropathy. So you have your tingling and numbness and pain on your limbs from uh, chemotherapeutic agents. So there we hear are... about that with diabetes a lot. So you can have neuropathy mm -hmm. from things in addition to diabetes. Yes. And you can develop uh, these patients that undergo chemo radiation, they have a higher chance in the future of having heart attack and strokes. Uh, these patients also are at a higher risk of developing other types of cancers, skin cell uh, cancers, uh, lymphoma, which is another type of a, a blood cell related disease, but it's in the in the organs. Uh, so it's it's not like, okay, I had it, thank God. Uh, had a great doctor, medications worked, uh, and that's it. No, the medications can be toxic to their uh, heart. So we have to do uh, proactively be doing echocardiograms and later on, uh, if, if physical exam changes, to be uh, on top of uh, long-term, like I said, complications of early treatment with chemo and radiation therapy. Let me follow up with it with a question. Uh, and I wanna welcome Sharice Pendleton, who's listening in the newest edition to our Docs in a Pod podcast team. And she's got a great question. If your parents have leukemia, one or the other, or maybe God forbid both, uh, what are your odds of getting it? Is it a genetic link? So there is a genetic link. There's actually something called familial leukemia syndrome. And that is now a, a, a familial genetic disorder. And again, uh, upon diagnosis, the hematologist will run over all kinds of genetic testing on you. And if you fall under that lineage, then the recommendation is to have your uh, immediate family members tested for that gene. So the, the, there is a percentage of leukemias that do fall under that criteria of being strictly, strictly familial uh, leukemias, yes. I wonder if you'd want to know, like with Huntington's disease, I happen to be Jewish mm -hmm. uh, and it uh, certainly occurs in, in folks primarily who are Jewish. There's some folks who want to know there's a potential and others who don't. What, what do you find in your patients, both of you, Dr. Barry and Dr. Malarcher, do they want to know? I, have I guess one it patient. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Malarcher. Well, I guess it, it depends, and that's a practice that I tell my patients, listen, my job as a, a physician is to give information on 
latest healthcare and what have you. But you're the boss of your own life, right? But I have to give you the option to to do it. So uh, if you don't want to do it, uh, it's fine. If you want to do it, great. But at this stage and ages, we need to be all about prevention. So if we do have a diagnosis of a genetic uh, mutation, it's just another data for us to keep our eyes closed for something that might happen that be, might be related to it and that would prompt treatment right away, right? Or uh, off of topic, like if you do a BRCA gene test and you're positive mm-hmm. and you're That's only your 25, yes, then we, the patient can opt. I had young patients that opted for a full mastectomy and full uh, hysterectomy because the gene was positive. They didn't have any symptoms, but they didn't want to take the chance of 10, 20 years along the line, suffer from a severe disease. So this is all very new to us, the technology of identifying early uh, a genetic uh, problem that might give uh, serious consequences in the future. But of course, the patient is the one that has to make the final decision. But we as professional uh, professionals in medicine, we do have to disclose to them that that is available for them, right? Right. And Audrey, what have you seen? I have one patient that has a very, very strong family history of breast cancer uh, to the point where a sister, mother, grandmother, and she refuses uh, to get mammograms. She said, even if I got one and I had breast cancer, I'm not going to do anything about it. So why do I want to know? Um, but it's her prerogative, right? I mean, that's, it's her life, her choice. So, and, and the other hand, I have all these other patients that definitely want to know and want to be proactive if they can and have all their options laid out in front of them. Unfortunately, we are out of time and this has been a fabulous discussion. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Dr. Angela Malarcher at the Embassy Oaks Clinic in San Antonio, Texas. Thank you for giving us the 411 on leukemia. On behalf of our co-host, Dr. Audrey Baria, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra. And associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Baria and Ron Aaron.